The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle for salvation. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworld podcast. This is Max Bernstein. I'm Randall Slate. And uh, let's see, uh, right off the bat I just want to tell you I'm not using my normal equipment so if I sound a little funny that's the reason why. Um, uh, all the guys at the Battle Mallet podcast will probably think this is really funny but my computer just died. So I'm on a phone and that's why I sound like this. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we do have a bunch of tournaments coming up in the uh, in the tri-state area of New York and beyond, actually, that we're going to talk about right now. Uh, first of all, we have Tabletop Shop in Newington, Connecticut. That is on September 21st. That is a Season 2 tournament. Um, so Night Vault cards and Season 1 cards are all still available for that one. It starts at 11 a.m. this Saturday, September 21st. I'm going to try to go to that, but it doesn't look good for me. Uh, the Portal in manchester connecticut that is on september 28th that is also season two even if beast grave is out on that day because people will not have enough time to have uh, sat with all the new stuff and uh and 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 get all the uh season one stuff out of their decks yet so that is still considered a season two kit tournament um and that is september 28th at the portal uh the rift on the very next day september 29th this one i will be toing that is a uh, a noon start in peekskill new york that is also going to be a season two even if beast grave is out however if you have beast grave stuff and you want to use that that will be legal um but with season one cards because again it will have just been out for a day not enough time to switch it yet um, the next week after that is at the Dragon Slayer. That is in Wallingford. Can I get it? it's Wallingford, right, Randall? Yep. Yeah. And that's on Saturday, October 5th. Um, don't know if season one stuff will be legal yet there. I don't know. We'll find out. I'll tell you on the next episode because uh, we should have another one before then. All right. And that's all the stuff that's happening in the immediate area or um, yeah, the tri-state area around New York. Uh, we also wanted to mention two more big grand clashes we have the grand clash at the warhammer citadel in grapevine texas and that is september 28th 29th which should be the weekend that beast grave comes out so check with them to see if that stuff is legal and if the rotation has started yet um and i'm fairly certain that our good friends at path to glory john and uh, sorry john the champ and uh amon uh, also the champ because he was he won the, the team tournament uh, with John um, and uh, those guys should be there as far as I know um, so that should be a good one and there's also of course the SoCal Open TO'd by our friend of the show David Cuts. that is at the Del Mar Fairgrounds in California October 26th and 27th that is an official Grand Clash um, go back to episode what was it 11 or 12 or something like that. One of our episodes we talked with David Cutts. So if you're interested in that one, just go back to our uh, previous episode where we talked to him. All right. 
Um, moving on, um, we want to talk about, oh, yes. So we were on the Battle Mallet podcast with our good friends down there, uh, Trace, Gerard, as I like to call them, and, um, and Jason. And uh, we were joined by, uh, by Jonathan Davis. Um, and, uh, and it was great, great fun, great episode. Um, if you want to hear that, go check out Battle Mallet and uh, listen to their most recent episode. And of course, as always, we also want to talk about Path to Glory. Jonathan Davis and Iman, they, they, they do a great job there. And uh, their next episode, they'll be talking about their, their Nova experience. So keep an eye out for that. I don't think it came out yet. Did you see it, Randall? That I don't think so. I don't think it did yet. Uh, let me just check real quick. I don't think so. So just keep an eye out for that. They should That should be coming out soon. Yeah, well, while you check for that, we have. I'll just let everyone know that we have a new website now. Oh, yes. And it's uh, battleforsalvation.com slash underworlds hyphen podcast. Yes. And, and it's just a quick link to our Facebook page and our yeah, Podbean. It's just right. a link to our Facebook page and our uh, Podbean so far. But it's but, connected uh, to our to our club's website. Right. Right. I uh, just so, wanted to feel important and say we had a website. So we have a website now. I feel very important. And if you want any... If, but if you... The, the way that you can communicate the best with us is through Facebook. Yeah. Just, and uh, that's where we we'll have the... Yeah. We should like the Facebook page. Um, you know, subscribe to the podcast, of course. Uh, follow on Podbean, all that stuff. Um, just so that, uh, you know, we can get those episodes out to you guys more directly and quicker. So that's a good thing to do. Yep. All right. You ready to get going, Randall? Yeah. Let's do this thing. Let's talk about Nova. Let's talk about our, uh, our, um, our decks. Let's talk about our experience. Um, so first of all, w- would you like to go first, Randall? What, what, what did you bring? Well, this is our second year at mm-hmm. Nova. I, that, I think last year was both of our first times there. I, yeah, I, well, I mean, it was my first time going to a large convention of any kind. I'd never done that before last right. year. It's great. And uh, so the, this, the second year around was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first year was, just c- comparing contrast, it, it was uh, right before Night Vault came out, but we hadn't had a banned and restricted list yet. So it was a lot of uh, Megora's Fiends, a lot of... Curse break or not curse breaker? Um, no curse breaker. Yeah. Steel heart. Lots of steel hearts. Uh, Turtle cast was a big yep. deal right then. A lot of orcs and dwarves and Skaven. The yep. Skaven did pretty well back Our then. Some Skaven. So just kind yep. of the the snapshot of the meta. It was either you play complete turtley with the steel heart, or you were going for a much more aggro approach with the you know one shotting people. And then That's what the, I was doing. the counter one shot with the soul trap. Soul you know, trap. At, uh, and there was one other one. Quick thinker was still around. Yeah, quick thinker and great, great concussion. concussion. Yeah, it was all there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think from that event onwards, the game just was a lot different. We had all these new warbands and we had, you know, cards being restricted, which was a deck building and challenge. And yeah. Banned. Right. So, and then what we you brought Megora's Fiends. You did really well. You got I don't know, basically second, but well, technically, ba- technically third or whatever. Because yeah, because the way it works, I ended up scoring third place. Yeah, right. Because of on glory differential. But I mean, it was basically whoever won my 
match between me and, and, and Harold uh, would, would be the champion. Exactly. And uh, I brought the Far Striders, and I didn't do very well. I don't remember exactly what it was, like 20th or something like that. Hmm. 25th or something. Um, and then, you know, we, we met a lot of cool people there. We hung out with everybody, but we, I don't know. This year it felt... Guys. Yeah. yeah. This year it felt a lot, I don't know, more... Just more, more like... Yeah, yeah. We, we felt a lot closer to everybody because we um, knew each other from last year and like we'd all like communicated with each other because we're all like doing podcasts and we've had like more time you know chatting on facebook and playing on vassal or our tabletop simulator for for some of us um yeah i, I felt like i kind of like knew these people even though i had never right. like met you know i never met john or ramon face to face but i kind of felt like i already knew them when i met them yeah yeah, it was no, a it was great really time. Cool. Yeah, and John yeah. and Amon weren't there last year no, either, weren't. but we've seen them at you know other events, uh, Depticon and uh, ATC. Well, you, well, you did because right. I don't get to go to those. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, so, that was great. Yeah, and it was good having having them. And this year it was uh, you know back back last year, um, there weren't too many like grand clashes at least in the U.S. That was really one of the only ones that it happened and i don't know it wasn't really sure like who a lot of like the really good players were in the the meta back then mm. everyone was kind of unknown just playing in their own little areas the game was, yeah the game was very young right and now in the at, you know now that a year has gone by um yeah. there's been a lot more tournaments and a lot more bigger tournaments and a lot where it's a lot harder to win and a lot more communication about who like the best, the, like the better players are. So like, you, you know, like I sat down next to, you know, and I had to play Jimmy Molini, who's right. the, the guy who brought, you know, who took Reavers to the top. And I'm like, I know Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know this guy. Like we, we, you know, Dean Bills was on the show. And I had to play him. Um, you know, the, these are, these are all people who, you know, like if, if you, if you sit across the table from somebody last year, you're just like, just a random person. Yeah. But if you sit across the table with somebody this year, you might actually know who they are mm -hmm. just from, from deed and word, you know? Yeah. Right. There's a lot more yeah. different atmosphere. And mm -hmm. we'd say that, that is probably that, that grand clash that just happened was probably the most competitive, most competitive uh, thing I've ever Yeah. Heard. Um, tournament in the U S so far. Uh, I, yeah, maybe there was the, the thing is that it wasn't a big grand clash. Like there was only forty eight players. Yeah, but just the concentration of good players like went down. You know, whereas there have been other grand clashes where maybe the concentration of like truly great players maybe reaches like the top ten or maybe the top twelve or something like that. I feel like there were there were players who were really good going down into like the second or third pod down. So like it was, it was, I, I think the concentration of talent at this particular event was really, really high. Really, really. Uh, yeah, it was really high. Absolutely. So, um, so let's talk. About and this it. one also had a different structure than other large events. Um, yeah. But the same as last year. Yeah. But you know, this structure, I mean, you know, there were a ton of people at Adepticon, and I'm sure there were a lot of really good players, but we didn't really hear too much about them because they did the cut to the top two right. after four rounds thing. Right. Um, and it all happened on one day. You know, so um, this one at least had, 
you know, that since they had the the pod structure, um, it it became clear who, you know, the best people were, and they all had to play each other in the final couple rounds to see who was actually the the champion. Yeah. So and again, we, we it had, was just a better format. And again, we had really good players, not just in the top eight pod. We also had great players in the, in the second eight pod. And we also had a few good players even reaching down to the third eight. Yeah. Like there like there were good players everywhere. And that was kind of, I think, the, the best part about, about this particular event. Um, anyway, if you want to hear more about what happened, like just in the event, like as far as like the atmosphere of the event, go to the, the go to the Battle Mallet podcast and listen to that recent episode. We're just going to talk right now about what we brought, why we brought it, and um, just kind of like who you know how we did so uh so randall would you like to talk about your deck yeah uh but <laughs> sorry oh real, real quick before that uh if you want to go to see a breakdown of like the top game or the top games go to path to glory's podcast oh, right. to to hear about the you know because uh john and john I won so the rest of us were yeah john won by the way if you didn't know john so if you want to hear about the final game from well then, of power yeah and and path to glory podcast he's he was the champion um and uh he also managed to figure out like we were all kind of brainstorming the few of us um like how to actually get the um how to how to get everything uh recorded and so he actually recorded uh, at least a few of the games from the last day and i hope that he posts them i haven't seen anything about them getting posted yet but i hope that he does um so uh so if they get posted you get to see them but um but big up to him not just for winning but also for doing what i think a lot of us want which is um you know recording of high level play and posting that and streaming those games um so yeah he's definitely going to be moving into that area yeah soon i think a lot of it was like kind of just proof of concept, but yeah. I think that that's something that he, he sounded very interested in that. And we were kind of like troubleshooting and trying to figure it out and looking at like how other games do it. And um, yeah, it requires a lot of equipment. Right. So surprising amount. Yeah. So back to my deck. Oh, okay. Uh, moving yes, on let's, to the, let's. since we've uh, gone off on several different tangents. Hit it, Randall. Um, so with, I was doing more of a, uh, sit on objectives markers style of thorns of the briar queen deck which i think is the better version after playing it for um a certain number of games i was doing more of an aggressive score immediately with um superior tactician type of earlier in the season yeah yeah, yeah earlier in the season which i which was i think more fun to play but you it was a lot more yeah. yeah but it was a lot more reliant on the dice and um you know, sort of, it was relying on getting a, a lot of momentum early and then just really crippling the opponent and making it so they couldn't really do anything, and that was the only time I, I could win. Um, so focusing more on the objective markers let me score a lot of points without really relying on the, the dice or, you know, building that snowball. Mm-hmm. Um, and just was better in a lot of different matchups. You know, the other one, the other deck was, it struggled in, um, against certain warbands like uh you know that would sit back farther oh like some like sort of like uh like yeah like thundrek or yeah spelly uh thunder buddies or something like that yep 
this one at least uh, the, sitting on the objective markers at least has a uh, an alternate plan if uh, you have you end up being in that kind of matchup. So, you know, I I ended up having some of the tactical supremacies and supremacy and our only way out, um, and then a little bit more push cards in like a sidestep in the um, in the gambit section. I didn't take any of the keys though. I I, I still do like a, I take Tome of Offerings. Um, I think that one's great for just getting, you know, tipping the scales of the of the the glory towards the end of the game with the Briar you Queen. Throw that on the Briar Queen, of course, yeah. Right. Or maybe yeah. Or maybe I, I put it on Varklov too, or I've put it on the Everhanged. Yeah. Just to but whoever's around. I whoever's guess. gonna be killing people, yes. Because sometimes I'll put like an upgrade on the Everhanged, or he's inspired already because I want to get a uh, wet armor. Mm -hmm. So it'll end up going on him. I put like great strength on him or something like that. Um, but most of the time it's on the Briar Queen. So she can just teleport in there, get inspired, hit for three damage, and hopefully kill someone. Gotcha. So uh the games went well. I was do I was on a roll in the Oh well the... Let's, let's, we'll talk about the games in a second. Oh, okay. Let me uh let me talk about my deck before and then we'll talk about the games. Um so uh, let's see. Actually, you know what I can do? I can go on underworldsdb.com, go to tournament decks. Your boy is up there. Uh, my guy's up there. Your boy's up. He's on uh, Underworlds Sixth DB. Sixth place. There I am. All right. I'm going to go. Oh, look at that source. Battles for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. Look at that. We did it. We did it. All right. Anyway, so um, so what I had was I, I, I brought Molog. Um, and, uh, the reason why I brought Malik, as I said, uh, on the battle ballot podcast was that I was playing guardians, but I was having a lot of trouble keeping Yothari alive. So what I decided to do was to just switch to uh, a warband where the leader stays alive a lot longer. And it's not so bad if he gets hit, whereas Yothari gets one shot at all the time. So, um, I switched over to Malik and I also had a lot of, um, experience with Malik because I was playing him. Uh, pr ex pretty much exclusively like after he came out and for a little while after that um, up until the guardians came out. Um, so, and I had a lot of success with him. Um, so I, I really felt uh, very comfortable. Um, however, I had to be very tricky about uh, the restricted cards. Um, the restricted cards I decided to take were long strider and burst of speed. Those were my only two objectives, which I, I like the idea of that redundancy because one of the things that really helps Mala get going is to just grab a little bit of um, glory early on, put a couple of upgrades on, maybe bag of tricks if it pops up so you can go and grab what you need. Um, and so it really helps having long strider and burst of speed there because it's basically you'll get a glory at some point. Um, I took also ready for action, um, cause you have to, although not in a month and, uh, illusory fighter, which is, as I've been talking about for a while is kind of like my jam. Um, and I like that one because you can use it to get Molog out of a bad situation, or you can use it to bring him from the back of your own board to the front of your own board and use it like offensively. Um, and Illusory Fighter actually did save my skin a couple times, so it was really helpful to have that. Um, and of course, Tome of Offerings. And I got to tell you, if I did it over again, I don't know if I would take Tome of Offerings. Well, you said right after the event that you wanted to change a whole bunch of stuff, right? Like you didn't like uh, there was like three or four things Slayer. that I didn't, I wasn't happy with. Yeah, I brought Slayer, which um, I thought would be good because I thought it was going to be up against some more Dodge War bands. Um, but I only played against Dodge War bands like once. 
I played Dean Bills in the semis. Yeah. And he crushed me. Mm-hmm. Well, he crushed me in the second game. The first game we tied and he was just standing objectives. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but it had uh, seven score immediately, um, you know, including Victoria's Duel, which I scored several times. And, and having Victoria's Duel and finding ways to manufacture that really got me out of some uh, sticky games. Um, you know, uh, opening gambit, I scored all the time. Victory after victory, I scored quite a bit. Um, so those were all good. Good. Um, and then uh, a lot of uh, gambits that moved me around. So commanding stride, uh, predatory growls I would use to bring other people closer to me or get them off of, you know, stuff, get them off of stuff. Um, I had improvisation, which was very helpful a couple times. Hidden paths was great. Illusory fighter, just stuff to get me to move from place to place. Um, I really enjoyed using, uh, well, Lafayette and Crystal also. But uh, one thing that I really enjoyed using a lot was Light Footed, um, which is uh, from the the Dwarves pack, which is going to get, you know, it's, it's going to get rotated out. But it was just that you couldn't push him anymore. Um, what it does is that if you attack Moloch and he has Light Footed, if you can push him, you're not allowed to push him. I'm allowed to push him. So what would happen is if somebody shot me from range three, I would move into range two so I can pop you on the next one. And if you came in and did range one and hit him, I would step back one because I could still hit you. And now you can't ready for action me. So um, if you have, well, if you have a range one attack, which a lot of people do still. So, so I like that. Um, foul temper was a huge, huge, huge benefit. I definitely re-rolled into crits a couple times and that was amazing. Um, and then, you know, Potion of Rage, Blazing Soul was in there. Uh, Inspiration Strikes, of course. I did not have Regal Vision, but I would have put it in instead of something else um, if I had another chance through it. Uh, yeah, but Slayer, I, I could have gotten rid of. And I would have taken out Tome of Offerings that did not help me just based on my matchups. I would have rather had, like, my turn or upper hand. Well, they might have been more helpful. I think that's. Tome of Offerings think... is, not, is like a solid choice. Yeah, but but again, if you're doing Tome of Offerings and you're playing Curse Breakers, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that, only, it, it ended up being glory. sure, yeah, but it ended I up being that God's you, Horn. yeah, it ended up being that you played a lot of Curse Breakers in the last few right. rounds, so it, that it card was, was, was kind of dragging a, you it was down. A poor but medical. I think, well, that's you know, kind of results oriented. I think that that's Tome of Offerings is probably a good call, and it ended up being yeah. a poor medical. Yeah. All right. Anyway, but that's what we did. All right. So, do you remember? Do you remember who you played in what round? Because I have that all written down. Person I had never met before. Right. And he was playing Thundrix, and uh, I beat him by many points. And then yep. I played Jared from Battle Mallet. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Do you, you want to? Do you want to like go back and forth, or do you just want to go through your entire list? I'll just go through the entire thing. Uh, go, go, go through your okay. Thing. I played... go, go, go through your thing for the first four rounds, then I'll okay. do my four rounds, and then we'll do the, ten, the, the, uh, the final thing. So then in the second round, I played Jared, which was really fun because he beat me last year at, mm. no, at Nova. That was the first time I met him. Um, and we had a fun game back then, and we had a fun game this time. Uh, I ended up, you know, I, I was very worried about him scoring... Um, he was playing Yothari Guardian, so I was very worried about him scoring the reclaim the mm. objective where he has to just stand on the ones in his yeah. territory. And you and you played against me playing those guys long enough that you were you knew that. Yeah, was I tough. felt pretty comfortable playing against them, yeah. Um so I ended up putting the you know, more than one objective in his territory. 
and then just kind of fishing in my hand for drifting advance. And then, uh, yeah, so I was worried about that. I was also worried about him destroying the objectives because I had the tactical supremacy. Yes, yes, you need those things to stay up. Right, so I, I think I ended up uh, ditching my power hand and finding a sudden appearance in my opening you to, hand. You have to get rid of Gilfari yeah. right away. Right, so in, in I think in the second game, in the first round, I waited until the end of the you know, the first activation round, and then I came in with uh, the Briar Queen and, and killed his Yothari. Uh, got pretty lucky on that one. And so, yeah, that yeah, just killing Yothari means that he can't destroy the objective with the spell. He can still do it with the the uh, the Gambit. They have mm -hmm. one where, and then he uh, they they can still score their their score immediately objective with that. No, Yothari. No, Yothari needs to. Do the, for leech power, you'll yeah. already needs to be standing oh, on the thing. It has to be. no matter what. Okay, never mind. Yeah. So yeah, it's you have to kill Yothari or else she can do their their faction specific gambit or the spell, the Abyssoth's unmaking. So I ended up mulliganing my hand to get the sudden appearance, which came in and killed Yothari because she only starts with three health. I did that in the first round, and then the game was just kind of over after that. That's why I didn't want to play them. Yeah. So hard to keep him. So hard to keep her alive. And yep. you know she's got dodges. Two fine, whatever. But it's still, I, I just, I, 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 I couldn't get caught. Just keep going with them. Yep. So yep. then, uh, in the third game, you know, I had been playing. I hadn't been playing with this version of the deck for very long. Um, I only had maybe two or three practice games with it before Nova, and so. I did kind of a bonehead mistake in the in the third game. I played against a very good player. I can't remember his name, but he was he was definitely on top of his game. He was playing Thundrix, and I I won the first game, and then uh, or no, we we tied in the first game, and then we were going to tie in the second game. But I had I I had it. I had it. I had the card in my hand. I had a sidestep in my hand. I was just supposed to put a. Oh, guy, this uh, is that game. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of I, I ended up having supremacy in my hand and then not playing sidestep. I just like forgot to play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that ended up causing the game to be a draw. Oh man! And you yeah. had it too. Eesh. Yeah, I had it. So um, yeah, that's the third. That's my third game. So I, do you want me to talk about the fourth game now, or you want to wait? No, no. Go ahead, because that's that's still in the uh, the original Swiss. Okay. Rounds. Well, I played against Amon. And, um, you know, that's always kind of intimidating. He's very good. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that was just cause I had done so well in the previous games and right. because I had that draw. Like that's your reward yeah. is you get to play, you know, like the, the elite level guys. Like yeah. that's what happens. So, and then it turned out that he was kind of, um, he was playing Curse Breakers. Yeah, right? he was playing Curse Breakers, but his deck was built to sort of... It, it was kind of overcorrected for the uh, the Thorns matchup. It was. And that's because... kind of... Yeah, you can kind of see that with Amon's deck building sometimes, especially for Grand Clashes. Like, he thinks about what might be... the What he might run into. And yeah. he tries to, like, have some counterplay to that, which there's something to that, but there's also a lot of guesswork in there. Yeah. I'm sure he'll talk about it. On, on his episode 
Sure, yeah, and we saw when we went over his deck from Adepticon, it was very uh, overcorrected for Malog. Right. Um, he had, you know, all the, the different uh, boys that just screw over Malog, basically, and then um, the rest of his deck was just kind of standard. And then this one, he definitely had uh, tech against uh, Thorns of the Briar Queen in his deck. He had the... Or um, Godsworn. Yeah, or Godsworn, too. Um he had the the upgrade. I forgot what it's called, but it uh, seeking seeking stones. stones. Yeah, the upgrade with the seeking stones and th that has uh, basically cleave it, against dodge. It's in the, well, it's way there's there's a word for it now. It's in snare. In snare. Okay, right. that's a new keyword. That'll be, that'll be the new keyword, which we'll talk about in a little while. Yeah. So it has in snare, and then he also has the lightning whip, which lightning is an up, whip. Yeah, lightning whip, which is a upgrade that what? says that whip. Yeah, it's an upgrade that says if you hit, if you, if you, ha when your attack is successful, then it does an additional damage after um, the attack is over. And that works with the Seeking Stone. So anytime he was targeting one of my fighters, if he, you know, I can't, I can't get out of it three. with dodge. Yeah. From range yeah. three, I can't get out of it with dodge. And if I, if I don't roll a crit, then it's, it's two damage. So with like Rastus or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a tough game. And uh, ended up losing. Yep. So that's that's it for that game. Yeah. So uh, okay. So so now my Swiss games. Yeah. So here's what I suggest you do when you go to a grand clash is that if you're going to lose a game against an elite player, try to do it earlier in the round so that your later uh, opponents are not as good. Okay. Because that's what happened to me. So in the first round, I played against Thomas. Now, Thomas and I had never met before, but we are now Facebook buddies. He is such a cool dude. It was his first, um, it was his first convention he had ever gone to. First, it was like his, or, or rather, it was his first Underworld tournament he had ever gone to. He was like really nervous. He's playing Curse Breakers, you know, and I'm sitting there. He doesn't know who I am. You know, he doesn't know that I have, you know, like experience or whatever. So we play these games, and my Molog does what Molog does, right? Um, and, and in the first game, anyway. And and that game, um, I, I just, it was easy for me, you know, because he didn't understand the matchup and he had never seen Molog before. He didn't know what he did. Um, and so that was a 14 4 game. Um, in the second round, he kind of realized, all right, so Malog is a lot of power. And he kind of sat back. He started like um, he started casting spells and trying to score. It was a very low scoring game. Um, but um, and he almost killed Malog at a really bad time. But I had a loser fighter in my hand, got out of dodge, uh, managed to avoid um, a kill shot. Um, and uh, I won very narrowly in the second game. Uh, six to four. Um, so I ended up two owing him. Um, but, but I want to give it up to Thomas because, because he hung out with us for like the rest of the weekend. And uh, he was very helpful when it came to talking about like um, all the tech that we need, if we're going to record games and he took all the pictures that you see up online. Um, so Thomas, thank you very much. Uh, it was really great to meet you. I hope we see you next year and, uh, and stay on the message boards. Always good to talk to you. So I, so, uh, so I moved on one Oh, and then I got matched up with Gerard the Professor. Now, if you guys know Gerard the Professor, he is a very good player. Um, he lives in the Connecticut area, so I've seen him before. He was the runner-up at the original Battlefield First Salvation Kit tournament, um, playing guard during the Night Bolt season. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so he's very good. And then he took Godsworn to one of the, what was the, the UK Games Expo one or something like that. And he, it was the one where they did the first time they ever did a top 16 cut. He made cut in that. And it was like him and Tom Bond and uh, John Rees all brought Godsworn, made the top cut undefeated. That's him. So the, he's the he's the other guy. Um, so I had to play him. Uh, this time around, he was playing uh, the the gun dwarves, and so I'm fine with that um, because they just plink at me, and I have seven wounds, and that's fine. Um, and we got into the situation where I would have definitely won that first game, but we had to call over a judge. Um, he had Lund against my Molog. And I was close enough that I could attack him. So what happened was that he shot at me uninspired, scored warning shot, and then I had aggressive defense on him. So then I attacked him, bopped him, and killed him. But then we realized after the fact that, um, that he should have inspired Lund between the shots because it's because um, he scores the because he missed he scored warning shot, and so if he scores warning shot, he gets to inspire somebody, and when Lund inspires, he goes up to four damage, and I was uninspired, so I couldn't kill him, and that really kind of just potatoed my game a little bit because I really felt like I was in the driver's seat until it happened. Um, it ended up being a much closer game, and uh, what ended up happening was that he had scored either some hold objective thing earlier. And so he had two of his little dwarves in the way, way, way back standing on objectives, which has bitten me in the past and it did it again. Um, and it was a 12, 12 tie, but of course he was standing in objectives and I should have learned my lesson, but I still haven't learned that lesson. Uh, everybody, if it's going to be a close game, stand on an objective, just do it. All right. Um, in the next game, Malog did what Malog did, does, and I won that one 14 to 7. He just went in wrecked face. Um, at that point, because we played, you know, we played really intense games and we were thinking a lot, we were kind of running out of time. We started the game, um, and Gerard definitely was winning round one into round two, and then we had to stop because we ran out of time. So he was up on points 5 to 11 at that point. So um, he ended up taking the games uh, 2 to 1. And so I was actually one and one at this point at the end of the first day. All right. So next, so, so at this point, Randall, you're way higher than me on the, on the list because you're two and zero at this point. Right. Well, I was two and one, two Oh one. I had a draw. But yeah, but that was in the third round. Yeah. So my third round game um, was against a guy named Michael Crow. And I walked up to him, and the first words out of my mouth were, you're a crow. You'll always be a crow, right? So I'm doing, like, the whole Game of Thrones thing at him. He had no idea what I was talking nice. about. Nice. No idea. And I'm like, how do you have that name and not know? Like, are you trying to tell me I'm the only person who's ever done that to you? I'm like, what's that name? But he was playing Magors, which is not what you should play against me, because Magor, that's like... Right, he, he totally had a choice to who he was going to play, yeah, no, right? He, yeah, he didn't know that. But it's like, it's very unfortunate that he tried to play Magor against me because he, I basically did to him what Harold did to me last year, which was that I sat in the back and waited. And yeah. then when he got close, I just bopped him. And like, he, he couldn't score anything. I'm sitting in the back scoring Longstrider and, 
and, and stuff. And, and then he just got close and I just like, at the second, and he's he like, I'll close, get you next him. round when I can activate again. And you're just like, Bop. so, so, so in the first game I beat him 13, zero. Uh-huh. Like wow. he had no choice. I, I hadn't pathed. I bopped. I ready for action. I bopped. And then I mm-hmm. illusory fightered out. It was amazing. Um, anyway, but 13, zero. Then in the second game, he kind of got a little wise to that. And he came in a little bit more like towards the end of the round. So he, so I didn't have as many targets to go after, which was very smart of him. It was an adjustment that he made. And then at the end, I got this really nice, lucky, uh, like I, mo- I I bopped, I moved with ready for action. And then I bopped on my last one and I killed something. And he's like, oh, man. And I'm like, what? Because I was up six to four at that time. And oh, sorry, I was up six to two. I was up six to two. And then he's like, OK, and the end, I score conquest. And I'm like, conquest. Who plays? I mean, that? that's a good card. It's a good with card Nagor. for that. Yeah, especially if, if, I mean, especially if I'm going to sit back, but I, I wasn't expecting Conquest. And apparently he also had, had Denial and Contained in oh, his deck, no. but not in his hand. Okay. So actually, I got really lucky on that. I was going to say, day. did he run anything interesting like Shard Gale or Dark Darts I didn't or see anything it, like that? I don't, okay. That stuff didn't come up because I, I had Starpin for Glory. He only scored four Glory in two games. So okay. I didn't really get to see a lot of his upgrades. Yeah. Um, but, um, but he apparently had like, he, yeah, he had Denial conquest and contained in his hand so um, if those were in his hand even though i would have wiped him out oh he yeah would have, he would have won that round but he just didn't he just didn't draw them so i actually got lucky on that second game interesting right okay so at this point i'm two and one and you're two oh and one and in my last round trying to get into the top pod because i realized at this point that my my glory differential was really great um and i'm like if i can really blow this guy out um I can I can probably jump into the top eight and just like submarine my way up. And um, this guy brought Guardians and it's like, there's another warband that I know inside and out. And basically in two games, I just assassinated Yothari like right away. I was just like, just lining, lining her up. This guy, Evan, I, Evan, I'm sorry. I, I forget your last name, but um, I got your first name. I should have written it down. Um, and um, and yeah, but uh, I just knew what to do. You just, you just target Yothari and just if you can kill her, game over and that's mm-hmm. what happened in both cases i'm sure there was a few great crits in there or whatever but but that but i won that game two i won that match two zero, and the glory differential was 30 to three yeah it's tough for so, people against your deck if i you, get, if you have somebody in, that's really important to your whole strategy you can just get to them and bop them and, and yeah and you know, I know like and they, i know you can't really know, do anything about it yeah, just target priority. You know, you know, I I know who to go after. They have to get the crit defense or whatever, or exactly. else, yeah, or else, or else that's it. Yeah. So I mean, I just, I, yeah, I know how to get at them. But what's interesting? Um, no, no, actually, sorry, I was going to say something, but that's actually not true. Um, so anyway, so I ended up getting into the top eight pod, and uh, and Randall, you were in the second eight pod because yep. you had to play. What's mm-hmm. his name? Yep. And I so because we actually we actually had. I was three. I was three and one, and you were two one and one. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but uh, but I I think out of all the three and ones, I probably had the best glory differential there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So so I, I managed to sneak my way up there, even though I lost to Gerard in, in the uh, in the second round. Nice. All right. So do you want to talk about your uh, your uh, your next experience of the the on the Sunday? Sure. Yeah. Got, so I had to play against uh, Gerard's friend. 
Uh, Trace? No. Gerard. Oh, 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 Juan. Juan, yes. Juan. I had to play he against also Juan. at the original Battle for Salvation kit tournament. Yep. And, and he was he still was, playing Steelheart. He was playing Steelheart. And he really took steel hearts. He took them to the top 16. Yeah, he's good. So, yeah. Yeah, he's good. And that that was probably the closest game of my entire life. Yeesh. Yeah. It was just so back and forth all the time. He 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 is extremely good at, you know, reacting when when uh you know I teleport in with the mm -hmm. Briar Queen. He always has, you know, something counter whatever i'm trying to do you know he'll put an upgrade out he'll save his upgrades for when i'm attacking him stuff like that you know save his ploys for when i'm attacking him i think he That's has smart. a lot of experience against um against Briar Queen. yeah oh well i mean and also gerard who's like a great player they played together all the time yeah and you know it was the i won the first game he won the second game and then the third game it was you know a complete tie but i was standing on the objectives and right. I had to do uh, ready, ready for action to move onto an objective, just so that I could be on the objective to break the tie. See, you know yeah. how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I still have not learned to do that. Yeah, it was it was preposterous. Yeah, that was the only way I could do it because, like, we, uh, I, I, I don't know. I sort of guessed what he had in his hand based because you know we had gone to game three at this point. Mm-hmm calculated that you know i was going to get two in the end and he was going to get either two or three so i figured if he was going to get the two and i was on more object because he was also on one objective and i so i had to be on two objectives to tie that and so i said well i can't I, I can either try to attack him and kill his inspired you know uh bright shield which seemed like a horrible idea that would have put me up or I could just try to ready for action, move action, and try to be on the objective just to break the tie, and that's how I ended up winning. There you go. Sometimes you have to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who'd, who'd you play next? So that was a win. That was a 2-1 win? Yep. Okay. And the next round was against uh, Trace from right. Battle from Mallet. Mallet. And he that game, Malag yeah, also. he was also playing Malog. And his, his Malog is painted so well. Like, yeah. it is insane how good that is. And so I was very impressed right away. And mine, I don't is, know, I... mine is very middle school. Right. <laughs> yeah, yours I love, is I love like how Randall's finger like, paints. Yeah, man, and, you're yeah. doing good. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, yeah, you know, it totally is. Yeah, finger paints and Legos are involved with. There are Legos. Yeah. There are no finger and paints, but there are Legos. Marvel superheroes. Yeah, it's yes. Marvel well, superhero themed with Legos. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> if you it's saw that, it's authentic it, it is stuff. what I would expect. You know, a a ten or nine or ten year old to bring to the the Underworlds tournament. <laughs> I stole it for my six year old, but yeah. okay. All right, all right. Moving on. Moving on. So, um, you know, I I just hate Malog. I hate playing against him. <laughs> played that against you yeah. for months yeah i just hate it and but you know i i was trying my best and i just wanted to you know have a fun time with trace because he's a cool guy and you know it was basically I, I i didn't really like feel any like the any pressure or like anxiety i had in the first couple games so we just had a good time the the highlight of that game was uh i tried to play drifting it like it was about to be my turn it's about to be my activation, so I tried to play Drifting Advance to get, like, all the Chain Rasps in base contact with Malog so that I could in 
you know, all, oh, every yeah. single one of them yeah. would have been inspired. I remember this story. And yeah. I could have attacked with, um, what's it called? The, the Everhanged to score what armor, right? I would have been double supported against him. Mm -hmm. Be like, no way that could fail. So I do the, the drifting advance, and he says, you know, I play foul temper, I play ready for action. Uh, and then he did the whirlwind attack, the killed, whirlwind killed, attack. killed like four guys. I've yeah. never used the whirlwind attack. Yeah. Uh, Malog's whirlwind attack. I don't think I've ever used it. And I played it for months. And I played right. it this entire time at the thing. And I don't think I've ever used the world. I kind of forgot he had it. And Trace used it and, and wiped out, what, four of your chain rasps? Yeah, three or four or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah, and the game was just immediately over at that yeah. point. And it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the second game, he teleported and killed Varklov or something like that. I, I can't even remember what really happened. We, I, we were just kind of having fun at that point. Mm -hmm. he, he crippled me really early, and it was hard for me to come back. I had basically no one left when I drew all my uh stand on the objective cards so that cool. game ended and i lost that one all right and then i had to play against uh this guy playing skaven and mm. he was definitely really good at skaven but he i i don't think i've lost that hard in a really long time really festering yeah. hungering uh it wasn't like the full kill yourself build okay it was more just like a more of a well-rounded Skaven sure. build, and he just ended up getting so many upgrades on Scritch like really early and just destroying me. And then, like, at the time, and then every time I was about to kill his Scritch, he'd be like, Crown of Avarice. Bro. Yeah. I, I have a bad Crown of Avarice story coming up. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't think I've lost that hard. I didn't even, I, it was, I lost harder than I lost against Malog, against Grace. So, that's Jeez. Skaven player. That's crazy. All right. I, so and, and I was worried about that. I, I remember I was worried about playing against not necessarily that build, but the Festering Hungering build, because nobody plays that near near us. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen and it. And I, I just had for... no experience with what to do during that matchup. You know, I heard just John try Risa, to kill, yeah. yeah, try to kill Scritch, but so then easy. Yeah, so he easy. gets him inspired so Scritch. fast with a bunch of upgrades yeah. out, and you, you can't kill him. He's got three defense dice. He's got six health. You know, it's tough. Not innate. You put stuff on them. Yeah. Obviously. They, yeah. Well, yeah. They play. You know. Uh, you know the easy score immediately. The run through the lethal. And yeah. Charge they you while you're on guard. Risk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and change tactics, of course. Yep. All right. So where, where did you end up? Fifteenth. Fifteenth. In a in in a stacked field. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. Well, the the thing is that if I hadn't goofed in the third game, I calculated that if I. I all I had to do was just, you know, show up. I didn't even need to win to be in the top bracket because I would have had so many points. Uh, I would have had so many tiebreaker points if I had just remembered I to see, play that, that uh, card. Then I would have been in the top eight, and then I probably would have lost to all those guys, but I would have at least been, you know, eighth. Yeah, you would have had to have played either I would have had to play Jimmy, yeah. Or Jimmy. Dean, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. All right, cool. So, so... Let's see. Um, for me, so uh, I snuck into that top eight, and I was really happy about that. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to get my glory tokens. Um, and then I found out later that they were never sent. Everything else was sent except for the glory tokens for the top eight. So the dice were sent, the scatter tokens were sent. And you sent, went there only the to get the glory cards, tokens. 
Well, no, I went there to win. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, good. I got into the top eight. Sweet. I'm going to get those glory tokens, which is like the only to- acrylic token that I don't have an official token of. And I'm just like, oh, great. I'm, I'm going to get those glory tokens. Sweet. And then it's like, oh, you don't have it. Like, oh, okay. So I'm still like emailing people and trying to see if I can locate them. Um, but then I was like, well, I mean, let's go for the top prize. Why not? So um, my first uh, round top eight was against Victor. And Victor, if you're listening, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name because that would be rude. Um, and if you see his name, you know, it's like, I, I, I have no idea what it is. Anyway, Victor is really fun. He's really cool to sit with. He's really cool to play against. Um, he's very lighthearted um, and it was great to play him. Um, he was playing Curse Breakers and his Curse Breakers were real good. Uh, they were very cagey. He sits in the back. Um, he scores his score immediately. Um, but I, in two games, just I just drew God hands both games pulling inspiration strikes both games getting illusory fighter both games ready for action both games i got burst of speed and i I mulligan for some of these things but i got them and so i the cards were just coming up for me and that's just what happens sometimes so i was able to uh get victor nine four and then eleven five uh so i felt pretty good about that and so victor thank you very much it was a great game and and by the way don't cry for victor because then he won his next two games and he came in third so he ended up getting like you know the dice and everything like that he actually ended up doing better than me because i had to play dean bills next dean it was so wonderful to have you on the podcast but so terrible to lose you um anyway uh we played so dean bills if anybody knows he talked about his deck and his deck is i don't think it changed that much since we talked to him, because he still is playing. I mean, I knew exactly what he had in his deck. Like he had, he had supremacy, he had tax supremacies, he had everything. And I knew what he's going to do. And he still got me. Like, that's how good he is. Um, so Dean tipped my cap. Um, but both games were close. It's not like it's, he didn't even walk all over me. Um, we played the first game um, and I got bit again. It was 17-17 which is very high scoring. And there was a couple spots where he scored like tack, two tack supremacies and regular supremacy early way out, like all at once. I mean, like he just, he, he made it happen. And, um, you know, and I, I think I had Tome of Offerings in that game and I still couldn't catch up. Oh, sorry. And I did catch up, but he was standing on an objective at the end. And, um, and so he won that game. And then uh, the next game was a little bit more, a little bit more difficult for me, um, but it was still very, very close. It wasn't until like the very last round where he pulled away, very, very, very late <clears throat> in the game. So it was, it was back and forth. But uh, he ended up winning that one, ten six. So I ended up falling in what is technically the semifinals because there was only four people uh, who could have gotten it, which was me, Amon, John, and I think Jimmy Molini were the guys who, who had the chance at it. Or I'm, I think I might be wrong about that last one. Was yeah, that's kind of what it's like to play against Dean Bills. It's kind of like the game, you know, you're you know going exactly back and forth. Do. It doesn't matter. You're going back and forth. You know, you kill some of his guys. He kills some of your guys. You, you score your objectives and you say, all right, the end of the game, I got 18 glory. How much do you have? He's like 29 or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I can't with that guy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so 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 I got knocked down and I'm like, oh, crap. All right, so I'm not going to be the champion. Um, that's okay. I wasn't the champion last year. Um, at least now I don't have to lose in the final again. Um, and then, um, but, but I'm like, hey, but listen, 
if I win this next game, then at least I get top four mm-hmm. and I get the dice. All right. And I was like, okay, who am I playing? Jamie Molini. Nice. Grand Clash champion. Mm-hmm. Not playing Reavers, though. He was playing Curse Breakers. Um, and so, and, but, but, but this game like felt like kind of like it was the last game of the thing. And I'm like, all right, this is for the dice. I really want those dice. They're here. They're actually in the box. And so I'm like, all right, so here we go. Um, and so we play, I don't remember the exact, like, there's one thing I do want to talk about, but anyway, I, he, I won the first game, 15 to 11 tight game. Um, all these games were tight with Jimmy, um, 15, 11, I won. Next game, he won 8 to 12. And then in the last game, so because I'm going to get to that now. All right. So really tense. Um, so we're playing. It's totally back and forth. I'm up, eight, you know, 8 to 5. He's up 9 to 8. And I'm like, all right, so what's going to happen here? And then, and so it's like the last round. I'm like, all right, all I got to do, I got, I got Victorious Duel in my hand. He's got storm siren in the back i'm just gonna get him but first i'm gonna go and kill erastus so i move a little bit over to go and kill erastus and, and then so like i move my way over to him and then he's like oh yeah i'm gonna put crown of avarus on, on erastus i'm like Aah. and then i was out of position to get storm sire i'm i'm, I'm not describing exactly what happened very well because it was like two weeks ago but basically he put he put he put uh crown of avarus on on erastus and it was just like potatoed my entire thing and then i was doing that thing that michael carlin said is like just just think of it as a puzzle and i'm like yeah i can't finish this puzzle like like i screwed up and i don't so have the was, edge pieces i don't have the pieces like i, I don't have don't. the corner and i'm piece looking at puzzle. it i'm going like all right well jimmy's gonna get me this totally sucks and so uh yeah because i remember i remember looking at storm sire all the way across the thing and I, i'm looking at my cards and i'm trying to do the puzzle thing i'm like i need to be one hex closer like and i already played distraction it's like, I can't get to him. It's like, I just, I can't reach him. And so I just knew that he had me and he, he ended up beating me nine to 10. Mm. So uh, that is the second year in a row where I lost my last game nine to 10 because nice. last year with Harold, I lost that last one for the championship nine to 10 because he had a destiny to beat. <laughs> what a yep. card that was. Too oh bad. God. Too bad. It's rotating out of the game. See you later. Anyway, so um, so I ended up landing in sixth place, um, but um, still top eight, and I feel like that's. I mean, I think statistically that's indistinguishable from what I did last year. Well, that's not true. Last year I did a lot better, but this year the the competition was so much more fierce and so much stronger. I feel like this year, even though I didn't do as well, it was a more entertaining and uh, more interesting tournament overall. Just so so many more uh, great players. And by the way, like all these people that I played, they're all cool people, you know. And all the people you played, I'm sure they were all cool, cool people. They were fun. We hung out with a bunch of them. Um, you know, Jimmy was hanging out with us. Uh, you know, Victor offered me his dice because, like, I wanted. I said, "Oh yeah, I really wanted the dice." And Victor's like, "Here, just take it." I'm like, "No, nah, man, I can't do that." Um, you know, it's like that's like you don't touch the Stanley Cup until you win it. You know. Um, so no, no, you hold on to it, but he was super nice. He was like, it was just great. I, it was great to see Gerard, the professor. Um, and, and of course, Thomas who hung out with us for like the, basically the rest of the game, uh, the, the weekend. Um, so yeah, super great, great experience. Really happy about it. Nice. Cool. Ready to move on? Yeah. Beast grave. 
So we have Beast Grave out for pre-order. 21st. On September the 21st. Yeah, that's next weekend, which yeah. means it's going to come out the weekend after that. So it's probably going to come out the weekend of September 28th in the United nice. States. That's great. I can't wait. All right. So, um, so what we did um, is that uh, they just put out this video online, uh, which details how to play of a game of Underworlds in the Beastgrave season. So what we want to do here is we want to kind of go over all the stuff that's new between season three and the previous seasons, uh, as far as just like gameplay. Okay. Yep. Ready to go. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's start with keywords. So one thing that they did, which they did in Dreadfane. Um, and when I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're going to totally do this because it's this so smart, is that a lot of the keywords now, when it comes to like rules issues, a lot of the keywords are now bolded um, to make them stand out a little bit more. And so there's not just some new keywords, but, they're also, but there are also older words that are now considered keywords. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But here are some new keywords that are popping up. Um, we've, or we've already heard of a couple of them because they showed up in Dreadfane. One of them is scything, and scything is uh, when you can use an attack to attack all adjacent enemy fighters, not just one. Yeah, did you know so, Balog had an attack like that? I did not know that. Oh, you didn't? I mean, I didn't at the time, but now I do. Oh, oh did I mention that Malog didn't die only once in the entire tournament? Nice. Nobody tried to kill him. He's hard to like kill, and you have like healing potion and stuff. Yeah, I had healing potion, which helps. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier because that's kind of important. Nobody tried to kill him. I really thought people were going to go after him. It really did. The people did not. You can't. It's, it's yeah, not it's smart. Like, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, back to it. So there's scything, um, and then there is ensnare, which we already talked about, which is the same thing as cleave, but it's uh, you can't use dodges to defend so these are now two new keywords that show up on cards and are referenced in uh on other cards um another couple that we noticed on some of the player cards in the video are um, words like hunter and quarry uh which apparently have no inherent effect um so you can't like hunter something or quarry something that's not exactly how it works but there are cards that reference effects that only work against hunters or for hunters or only against quarries or for quarries. So for instance, there's a card uh, later on that where you can move two hunters. So anybody who has the hunter keyword, you can move them. So, uh, so look out for those. All right. And uh, let's see, another new thing is that during the setup, um, you are going to place what are called feature tokens. Um, and feature tokens, well, let me just move this up because this actually belongs to go here. Feature tokens, they're not calling them objectives anymore. They're called feature tokens. And they're well, double Well, the tokens sided. themselves are not yeah. called objective markers no, anymore. Right. They're called uh, feature tokens. Feature token, yeah. Right. But they, and so yeah. they have the objective on one side. Right. So this is what the, I mean, yeah. Right. But the other side is a lethal hex. Yeah, because they're not objectives anymore if, if they're... If right. They're on the legal and, hex side. And it sounds like there are going to be cards that allow you to flip the objectives over. Right. So like so my question to you is and I wonder how they're going to deal with this. If you're standing in a, on an objective because you're playing thorns, right? And then I have that card in my hand that can flip over an objective and turn it into a lethal. 
Do you take damage? As thorns? No. Well, thorns you don't, but like if you're playing like I don't know. No, you have to, you you only take, well, I don't know, it might be different in the uh, Beast Grave rules, but. Yeah, I wonder. You only take damage when you enter. Enter one. Not when it becomes one. Right. So I wonder how they're going to deal with that. Yeah, I mean. Anyway, but that's interesting that there are things that could turn them into lethals. Um, So there's that. Um, another thing is after you um, after you place the feature tokens and then you flip them. Uh, sorry, and before you flip them, before you flip them over, maybe afterwards, I forget. You also get to now also place a lethal. So instead of five tokens being put down before you start, you're putting out seven tokens. And the lethals, it sounded like the rules were the same as the feature tokens. Like you can't put them on an incomplete. You can't put them on another lethal. Actually, maybe no, no. You can't put them on another lethal. I mm-hmm. think can't put them in a, a, a block text. Can't put them on a starting X. But I think you can put them within two of an objective. Yeah, that would be ridiculous if you. Could. Yeah, there'd be nowhere to put them. Right, exactly. Because you'd run it. You'd run out of space. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, okay. so yeah, that 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 is pretty interesting, and it makes a lot of uh, cards that reference lethal hexes a lot better. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's just gonna be more of them lying around. Yeah. It makes so, the uh, what's it called? It makes um, calculated risk calculated man. risk a lot better. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, calculated risk is was already good. It's it's restricted now, but now it's extremely. I good. think it's definitely worth taking though, because yeah. there's it's just gonna be really easy. And I remember do. it was it, you know when I was playing uh, iron or the the dwarves the gun dwarves, I had a hard time thundrick. I had a hard time sometimes getting. That's a score because the lethal hexes aren't always close to the starting right. hexes. And you don't move particularly right. fast. And you only move two, and they ruled it where you have to actually move you know, into and out of the, the lethal hex. So if you're playing a low-speed warband, then that can be a factor. But now you, yeah, now you can just plop one down right next to the hex you think you're going to be starting on. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, we also, I, I, I was watching the video and I paused to look at the new boards. Um, and so this is what they look like. There's one of them. That's just a single lethal hex and nothing else. The rest of it's just wide open. Um, so kind of like the Cataphrain reliquary, but it has one lethal on it. Um, there's another one that has three block texts that are spaced very far apart, like kind of in a diagonal. So there's like one on one far end, one in the middle and one on the other far end. Um, so it's like the three towers instead of the two towers, which is the one from, from the last season. Yep. There's another one that just appears to be completely open. Like there's just nothing on it. Just a wide That's open good. board. Which is good because, you know, there's always been just wide open well, boards. Well, you need to have variety, you know, yeah, ones exactly. with a lot of stuff on them and ones with nothing. Yep. And then there's one last one that has in a row right down the midline. So, you know, like if you're holding it, long ways right down the center it has two a block tax on one end a block tax in the middle and then a lethal hex um on the other end just right down the center uh, which is pretty cool um another thing that i noticed is that they have like they're much lighter in color they're more kind of like red they're more like warmer colors but still very shadowy um it looks like they also have like more of an outside motif in the background rather than like kind of like an inside underground kind of thing which makes sense because it goes with the thematic thing where they're like in, they left the mirrored city and now they're in this view in her mm-hmm. right yeah okay so so the backgrounds kind of reflect that kind of thematic shift 
Right. Okay. Um, what else? We have uh, the charge is now um, just like it is in Dreadfang. It's called a super action. And a super action is two actions in the same at the same time, basically, where, where a move is followed by an attack. So they're just using the, uh, the term super action to, uh, to, to say that it's kind of like a combination action. Um, where, and I, I believe things can happen in, well, I don't know, we'd have to look and see how they, how they rule it. In Dreadfang, could you do anything in between? No, because that's why the, we were talking about the, the, the Banshees and how they can't, uh, they can't uh, inspire in between the charge. Right, right, because you have to wait for the entire super action to complete before you can do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I would assume that's going to continue, because it sounds like a good, sounds like a legit ruling. Um, yep. Then we have the guard tokens. Oh yeah. So if you go on guard, you can't be driven back anymore. Yeah that that was a thing that was in Dreadfane, and now that's we're seeing deal. it as a baseline rule yeah. in um, Beastgrave. So if you're on guard. Can't be driven back. This helps uh, the stand on objective markers um, X out a lot. Right. It, it's a little bit of a trade off though, because we also have that you're not an objective. You're now on a lethal hex deal. So I guess it's like kind of like half dozen of one, six of the other, or something like that. Yeah. You know. So we'll see how that ends up working out. And it's but I, I do like that idea. Oh uh, yeah, it's weird because like the card. Uh, if, if you have a card that allows you to go on guard, like um, it's more uh, valuable. They have. Spectral parry for Thorns of the Brown yeah. Queen. Those become a lot better. However, yeah. the change of tactics is rotating out, so um, kind of a, yeah, kind of a trade off there. Well, I mean, the other thing is we don't know what cards are going to be coming up, so there might be other cards that make those cards feel the, these um, these uh, actions and mechanics a little bit a little bit better. Yeah. To, to have a, a, you know, a little sexier, just being like, oh, well, now it's a really good idea to have a card that puts me on guard because not only can yeah. I do that, but there's also this card that we don't know about yet, but we will soon that allows you to, I don't know, do something crazy. So so um, I, it's, it's a little hard to tell how valuable these things are now because we don't know what other cards are going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as cards themselves, I did stop it and check to see there are 438 cards coming our way. So get your uh, get get your card carriers ready. Get your binders ready. Yeah, get your binders ready. Take out You'll either need an old stuff. yeah. You're either going to need new binders or you're going to need to throw the old ones in a box somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um just just get a box. All right. Yeah, the it's edge like of all, the card. The edge of the card looks different. I was looking at the design. edge of the card. It, it kind of reminds me of you ever go to like a like a Mexican restaurant and they have like a painting on the wall of the of the landscape, you know? I, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I don't know, they have like these crystals weird, and then they have yeah. this like desert area no, on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. <laughs> it just reminds me of like I get the it. paintings on the wall of the Mexican restaurant. It's cool though. Sure. Yeah, it is really cool. It looks nice. It, it's definitely it, it's a it's an it's a great aesthetic uh, upgrade. I think it looks sharp, if you will. It does. It does. Hmm. Um, here's something interesting from. I remember Roly mentioning things that are different from what we're used to. Yeah. Um, here's something that was not different from what we're used to, and I think it's somewhat telling. When they discussed the scatter mechanic in the how to play is, video, which is exactly the same. 
it does the exact same thing. So don't anybody, I mean, not that anybody knows how to scatter things anyway, probably. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like when they, when they, when they discussed it, when they discussed literally everything else, including things that we already know, they showed us beast grave cards and they showed us beast grave stuff. The only exception to that is when they talked about scatter. When they talked about scatter, they showed us chain lightning, which is, uh, which is a, a curse breakers card. And um, the only references that they make, like the only like cards and things like they talk about, they kind of reference the curse breakers and they kind of reference snark from the uh, from the goblins who uses scatter. So it seemed as though maybe they're moving away from scatter as something because they didn't seem to put too fine a point on it. And they seem to like kind of kind of move off and talk back about night vault stuff. So I, I, I wonder if, if not that we've seen the last of Scatter, but just that it's not going to be emphasized quite as much going forwards. I hope it's gone forever because that mechanic is dumb. It's confusing, which I which yeah. remember is like one of one of Max Bernstein's, you know, things for why a card should get banned is that if it's really confusing, it needs to be FAQ'd and nobody knows how to use it. Like that's a reason to get rid of it. Yeah, it's unreliable. And a lot of people have trouble with it. It's unreliable. And it's like, unreliable. It's it. not even that good when it works, except if right. it's Snurk, I guess. And and it's confusing. Yeah. So just don't just just don't. I, I it sounds like they're not. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So so I'm just just pointing that. So that's all that's all the stuff from the 28 minute long video that seemed to be new, um, as far as um, rules and mechanics go. Um, but there's other new stuff. Um, there are two new war bands that come in, and guess what? What? Neither of them are Stormcast. Hey oh. Oh, I don't know if we're gonna get a Stormcast in this in this. I uh, go guarantee around. you, we will. Yeah, probably. Probably the very last one. It's gonna be more, well, you know, the, the it, last yeah. two guys. Yeah. Like, I, I was talking about this earlier. I mean, that, what what does Dread what does Dreadfang count as? That season three. I guess. Yeah. So I mean, I guess Souls, that counts. I mean, yeah. Does that count? Maybe, right. but I'm saying, no, you know, in this year, they're probably gonna come out with a new version of the Stormcast Eternals like they do every year since Age of Sigmar has come out. They you know they right. have the regular ones, then they have the like kind of hunter archer ones, then they have the the wizard ones. Do they? Yeah. I wouldn't so I think when whenever the next like big box set for Age of Sigmar comes out, it'll have a new version of Stormcast Eternals and then they'll probably put those as the last two one one of those will be the last two uh because we've already heard about some of the ones that are coming out in the future. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the two new warbands we got is the, I didn't catch the name exactly, the something to spoilers. Yep. They're Beastmen. Uh, Beastmen, the Beastmen. Um, and I caught the, uh, the Inspire mechanic. They inspire when two or more enemy fighters are out of action, which sounds very Reavers-y. Right. You know, Reavers just like, if, if, you know, if any three uh, fighters are out of action, but this is specifically two enemy fighters but it's it they kind of smack at the same thing yeah that's um, tough yeah uh their their uh leader is uh is a level one wizard or at least is when they're uninspired i mm -hmm. catch the inspired side and they have a guy named Korsh the sneak which basically has a built-in hidden paths as an action yeah that was really cool that's yeah, he has cool. a but they card, get a charge card action yeah he has a yeah. card 
on his fighter card, he has an action where he does it's basically the same thing yeah, as sneaky. hidden paths, except he gets a charge token at the end of it. He doesn't just get the move token. Well, I mean, you know, throw Which an objective is, on an on an edge hack, so you can just jump him over there. Yeah, and and that's a, you know, part. I think the part of the thing that made hidden paths so absurdly strong is that you can attack after it. So yeah. this one having the charge, but it not being a card, it's just a, an action on a fighter card, and the guy himself is not really that good. Right. So, well, I, you know, and that it, was another thing, just like side note, I feel as though they are trying to rein in the power a little bit so far from what I've seen. Yeah, at um, least in the starter, you, yeah. Yeah, at least in the starter, because, you know, those curse breakers were just... And thorns, too. Both of them are thorns, outrage, both, outrageously both good, really for, good. A, yeah. for a starter box faction. Absolutely. Like, I remember um, always telling people, be like, hey, should I get into Underworlds? I'm like, yeah. Yes, and they're like, what, what do I have to buy? Vault, Don't I have to buy all the... Night yeah. yeah, I was like, just buy Nightfall. You get two top-tier factions. Exactly. <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> right away. Yeah, right. anyway, so... Um, and then uh, the other group is called the Something Wild Hunt. I didn't catch yep, the name. The Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt. Um, they inspire if they have a charge token at the end of a round, which is like Toma Glory's hello... Well, yeah, it's a, you don't immediately get inspired when you charge. It has to, the, no, the round exactly, has yeah, to end. Yeah. It's kind of like the um, far striders. Yeah, the far striders or the or the, the dwarves. The, yeah, the where fire the, slayers, yeah. Yep. Right. Um, so people are saying, you know, what if you have tome of glories? You just put a charge token on your I guy to get a glory while he's on counts. the objective, and then he becomes inspired. And in yeah, at the end, yeah. pretty cool. Sounds we might counts. see more of a strategy with like playing cards and upgrades or whatever that like intentionally that, that put a charge that. token on yeah. you yeah um well at least for them right um all right uh some things that i caught was that the leader has four wounds and the other four guys seem to have three each um so that's and there are five in that group i think so that's a lot of wild health hunt? to chew through yeah um they all seem to move they all move at least four some of them five well their leader is a giant centaur right yeah, so and like, he has four wounds, and then he has two defense dice on shields he's, when yeah, he's inspired. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna be good. But they do seem to have a low damage output. Like it didn't look like anything right, was right. more than a one or a two. Yeah, even the leader doesn't mo do much damage. And uh, yeah, one or two on the uninspired side. Um, and they also have some sort of lion thingy. Mm -hmm. And what is that thing? I have no idea. The, okay, these it, things are new. They're not right. From like Sigmar, they actually yeah. spoiled the the, the lion looking thingy. A long time ago, back yeah. a long time ago, but 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 uh, there is he's basically Grawl, but he has yeah, he's almost when, exactly the same, he's, right? almost, or... he's exactly the same except he has ensnare when he's uh, inspired. Wow, that's good, yep, that's really useful. Uh, yeah, could cool. be, but he doesn't have a lot of damage output, yeah, he only yeah I know, but damage. Yeah. yeah, but just you know, being able to to pickle guys that have dodge, yep, on a really fast guy is nice. Push them back, push them into a lethal. Yeah. They're all over the place right, now. Right. Yeah. All right. Now let's look at some of the cards. And uh, what we're going to do is we're only going to talk. There, there were several cards that were fine. They were just cards. Um, we're not going to talk about ones that we think are good or bad. We're just going to talk about ones that have interesting new stuff that we haven't really seen in the game quite so much. So, or, or at all. So, for instance, um, they spoiled a, a card called Cursed Flint which is a um, spoiler-specific, uh, faction-specific upgrade. And um, it's, it's basically just dark darts with a one range. But um, the reason why we're talking about it is because it throws in the hunter keyword. You can only put this on 
a uh, on, on a fighter that has the hunter keyword on them, which is a new thing. Um, so yeah, and only uh, a couple of the beastmen have that keyword. Right, it's not yeah. all of them, and so maybe there will be more hunter keyword stuff later on in the season. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely strange. We'll see. Okay, um, there's another one, an, another one which is also a spoiler specific gambit spell called Devol- Devolve, mm-hmm. uh, which is cast on a crit. Never fun. But what I found interesting is that it's, it's basically Stegut Salvo, um, but it's re- it's uh, it's four hexes away, and instead of pushing the target away, you got to pull them in. But what's interesting is that all these things that are now keywords cast choose dealt and push all of these words are now bolded and they're keywords and that's probably just to clean up the uh you know the 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 rules lawyering so we don't really have to do that quite so much anymore because those words are very clearly delineated now yeah that's a nice thing big upgrade yeah big improvement all right so we're gonna next card that we're gonna talk about is great fortitude now we all know what great fortitude does so i don't have to kind of point it out but uh the interesting thing was actually the art on that and uh, Randall, what is that thing? It, it's got to be some kind of Iron Jaws orc. He looks too big to be uh, a regular orc or a goblin. So what is that? So, like a new orc that, thing, which we were right. kind of talking about probably would happen? Yeah. We, so we had the Iron Skulls boys, which were Iron Jaws. They're called, in, in Age of Sigmar, that unit that they would be is called the uh, Ard Boys. And they're kind of just like the little chaff you have the cheapest they're the cheapest you know troop option you have for that army mm-hmm. they kind of just jam on objectives and die kind of and then you have your in the iron jaws faction you have this unit called brutes which are like huge orcs with armor and stuff and they're the ones that come in and actually deal all the the damage they they oh. hit extremely hard oh so and we're gonna get like yeah. a we're gonna get like a faction full of Askaker dwarves. Yeah, I think uh, so. or Askaker yeah. orcs, rather. Like two or yeah, two or three huge orcs. Yeah, sweet. With and they usually have a lot of armor and good weapons. Better than Basha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that sounds good. Can't wait. All right. So next we have uh, Song of Swiftness, which is a wild hunt faction specific ploy. And the reason why we bring this one up is because uh, first of all, it's restricted to one of the guys' name. Carthayan. Uh-huh. Um, and what's int- we really like this card, number one, but also just it's a really interesting mechanic, is that if you play this ploy, friendly fighters get a plus one move for the entire round as long as Carthayan is not taken out of action. Right, and Carthayan is the little elf guy with the horn. Right. So he has, you know, he plays his little instrument. And- yeah, and everyone, and everyone moves faster. Everyone gets plus one move. You know, and this is not a spell or anything. This is just a ploy. Yeah. That just uh, happens. you know has a persisting effect till the end of the round. So he's kind of like a bard character. It's a it, really interesting card. I, I, and it seems good. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, they're, they're already yeah, they move like four or five on those guys. Yeah, and it's an interesting mechanic. You yeah. know, like that now that there's a little more design space there now. All right. Uh, the next one is called Skirmisher. This is a despoilers faction specific ploy. Um, it's a reaction. You play this after a move that oh, it's called Skirmisher. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't say that. You play this after a move that isn't a charge. And then that fighter can make a range three attack. 
and then you get so it's basically you get to charge but you actually only get a move token yeah you move and then you do a, a range three attack it and now you're your, standing there yeah. with a move token so you can shoot again and again after that right so that's interesting because it kind of downgrades it, it, it effectively downgrades the super action uh, and you get a super action off of a regular action. So we thought that was interesting because maybe that, that's more design space that they're like trying to explore. Right. And and it's not like that great because it's on the little skirmisher guys for the Beastmen. It's not on like a, you know, Far Strider or on. Yeah, I mean, if I had that Storm on Sire. Hollow, I'd be happy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's fine. But it's not on like a devastating range right. attack. It's exactly. On, yeah. um, and most of the range, range attacks are not devastating in this game. Which is well. Which I mean, if you have sense. Lund or you know, Chigafra uh, once. Some of them can be pretty pretty huge, but these ones are just on the the little dangle bros for the beastmen. So yeah, it's it's good. It reminds me of uh, the the orcs card, the brutal but cunning or whatever, or, or mm -hmm. one of those where it lets them you you can do an attack after you move. Right. Yeah. All right, so that's good. Um, for this next one, um, this is uh, a card called Eldritch Haze, mm -hmm. which is uh, a universal spell. It costs one focus to cast. Also, another one of those persisting effects, the caster would get plus one defense, and that's all well and good, but that's not why we're pointing this card at. What creature is that, Randall? Now, I don't really know. It looks like some kind of demon of Nurgle, and I think this is a promo card if you buy the, the novel, right? Isn't this like an alternate? Is it? Is oh, it? I didn't know that. No, I thought that was like the regular one. I don't know, it was okay. in the video. It was in the video. Okay, well, it, it looks to be some sort of chaos wizard demon, and he's enormous. So it might be like a single model warband coming out, or like a guy that, one one guy that uh that summons demons, maybe. He kind of reminds me of uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got and the other cool, interesting thing about this card is that this is a word-for-word -word copy of a card that is uh, Eyes of the Nine specific. Oh, is it called uh, Shield of Fate? Oh, I remember that one. And yeah, it's exactly the same. Okay. Sounds so good. that's kind of weird that they would just, you know, I don't know. And it's not even that good, really. It's like no, you have to cast it on. A, you have to hard roll that focus because there's no innate focus. Unless I'm you only do bringing it up because I want to know what the hell that thing is. Yeah. And I don't know. So look right. for an upcoming Nurgle demon Nurgle faction. Thing. Sure. All right. Well, it's about time, right? Yeah. All right. Um, the next one is called Savage Bolt. Uh, this is a uh, a, a spoiler specific, uh, fashion specific attack upgrade. Um, you wanted to talk about this one. Let's see. We got we got knockback one. Um, it's it's it's, it's a, a spell attack. It's a spell attack, but it's only a level one wizard, or at least yeah. it is when it's when it's uninspired. Maybe it inspires to a two. Mm -hmm. um it's got knockback one plus one damage on a crit um it's three range it it it, it hits on foci and it's a, a one attack and it's restricted to just felhoof who is the um the, i think the leader and the wizard of this group yep yeah why do you want to talk about it? well just because this is kind of his uh you know signature upgrade that he can get he's a, a wizard and there's actually if you look at his card he has an interesting uh, oh, the reroll thing. Right? It says at the start of the game, and whenever an enemy fighter is taken out of action, put a ritual counter on this card. Mm -hmm. So you know he gets a cool spell attack, and he has this thing where if you kill enemy fighters, you put the ritual, and then he has a reaction. It says during a friendly fighter's attack action before the attack roll, 
remove a ritual counter from this card. If you do, you can reroll one dice from that attack. Cool. So anytime that you kill someone, you can three spend this ritual point to get a reroll on your next attack. Sure. So you might help him to, you know, you could come in with him and do a spell attack. It has knockback, knock somebody into the. So it's like a softer, hex. yeah, it's like a softer awakened weapon. Yep. Sure. And that can help you like snowball because their their whole thing is that they have to kill two guys to get inspired. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that is true. So if you can kill one, then you get yeah. that nice reroll on the on the next attack you have on the next guy. All right. Um, so these next three are all objectives, or last three actually are all objectives, and we're going to bring them up um, not because they're good or bad, although actually all of these are pretty decent, um, but because of the keywords that they have. So first of all, there's one called Kurnoth Snare. This is a Wild Hunt faction-specific objective, and it's they're using the word Surge now, uh, which they did in Dreadfane as well. To, um, to, to indicate that it's a score immediately. So if you see the word surge, all that means is that you can score it immediately. Um, and this one is you can score it if you push an enemy into a fighter into a lethal. So that's pretty good. I mean, I would take that. That looks like an auto-include, actually, well, for, yeah. for them. There's going to be more, since you can place lethal hexes on the board, yeah, there's going to be right more. There's the always going to be at least one. You know, it was tough yeah. to take. It was tough to take cards that relied on interacting with your opponent's models and the lethal hexes yeah or because and... yeah because they they just either um either there would be none on the board or you'd be playing against uh somebody who was uh, immune to it or something does it say they have to be damaged by the lethal oh, no. hex i don't know i don't have the card in front of me i don't right? have the card in front of it's me a, either it's I just have a it score if you push it. an enemy fighter into a lethal into hex. a lethal yeah. hex but it doesn't say that it ha they have to be hurt by it Okay, so yeah, so it would work. On that's that. so it would work on night. Uh, yep. It would work on Nighthawk. and the banshees. Yep. That's cool. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. I'm still flipping through, seeing if I can find it real quick, but I can't. And that's going to be it. nice when you're looking up cards on uh, Underworlds TV, and you want to know all the score immediately. All you yeah, have to you can do just is type surge. Search now. for surge. <laughs> yeah, it's good. One. All right, I, can, I, I can't find it easily, so I'm just. That's fine. Going. You want to go to Hunt's right. End. Hunt's End. And this is uh, the Wild Hunt uh, faction-specific objective. This is two glory. It's called a hybrid. Now, a hybrid um, objective is one that is an or statement. So mm -hmm. you can do this or you can do that. This particular one, um, you get two glory if at the end of a round, a four plus uh, wound enemy fighter is dead. So if you just, you know, like worthy killed something mm -hmm. or you can supremacy and hold, hold three, three more three or more objectives. Yeah. And so this is pretty great because it allows you to play a truly flex deck, which I think is great because I feel as though like they should really be making sure that there is stuff there for all these different play styles, aggro, objective, flex, defensive. Like they should all have their uh, they should all have stuff to support those uh, those play style decisions, and I think this this hybrid thing gives uh, flex uh, options the uh, flex decks more of an option. Yeah, and uh, both of these things are kind of difficult to do, and this yeah. objective scores in the end phase for only two, so you're kind of it's not as good as yeah. supremacy, but you have another way to score it. Right. So it's good. I like yeah, the, I, I like and this I like this design space, and it's not as good as. Um, some of the other cards that say kill a 
or wound enemy fighter because it's not score immediately. Right. So it's yeah. not like a worthy kill. Yeah. Um, I, I really dig this. I yeah, like I like that this is in here. I hope they do something cool with and it. And those were in Dreadfane too, right? Uh, they might have been. There yeah. were hybrids in there. Yeah. Not like specifically like this, but there were other uh, hybrids in there. And then the last one we're going to talk about is one called Proven Superiority. And this is the reason why we're we're bringing this one up is because this one is called a dual objective. And a dual objective is one where that that is an and statement. You have to do both. So for this particular one, it's two glory if your enemy leader is out of action and your leader is not out of action. So so their leader's gone, your leader's on the table, two glory for you. So you have to do both. Yep. That could be uh, nice for certain factions, like a, maybe Zarbag. Yeah. I mean, I think if this one... I, I forget if this one... I, I didn't write down, actually, if this is... Is this uh, faction-specific or no? I didn't write it down. It probably is. It probably is. But, I, um, I, yeah, I didn't... It's probably good on this guy, because you don't want to, you know, risk him too early. You want to yeah. build up those ritual counters. Right, right, right. I, I, I bet it was for the spoilers. All right, so that sounds cool. So we just wanted to point all those out because that's all the new stuff that we caught from the video, and it looks like that's a lot of the new stuff that we're going to see going forward. I, I can't imagine there would be anything that they didn't that they changed they, that they wouldn't talk about in this particular video. So um, you know, you can all go and take a look at it. I suggest uh, I suggest you do because it's pretty exciting. Um, all right. So Rand, are you ready to move on to keys to salvation? Yep. Our collective key to salvation that Randall and I both agree with is to relax about card rotation. Relax about card rotation. All right? So first of all, what is card rotation? I'll take that, and then we'll start talking about why we should relax about it. Um, Because there's been a lot of uproar about it. People are threatening to quit the game over it. Just relax. All right? So first of all, what is rotation? So rotation is what they're doing is all the... um, all the universal cards from season one. So that's from any of the, the core set, any of the expansions and also the leaders pack, all of those, which by the way, leaders pack, who cares? Shiny example. Oh, don't know. We lost shiny example. Oh man. Um, all of the universal cards from those releases are now no longer tournament viable um, at least in the Grand Clashes and, and the kit tournaments. I mean, I'm sure if you're doing your own and you want to say you can use anything, I don't know if GW will knock on your door and like the, you know, the rotation police will come and get you. I don't think it's going to happen. But um, for the marquee events, at least, um, and probably for most of the, the OP stuff, um, you can't use those universals from season one. Um, now, a lot of people are uproar about this. You can't use escalation or rebound. You can't use um, last chance. You can't use uh, ready for action. You can't use change tactics. All of these staples of the game. But um, I think we all agree that a lot of the universals from uh, Superior Tacticians gone. Half of the bar list, uh, sorry, most of the bar list. And yeah, half like three quarters of, the, of it, yeah. Yeah, and half of the restricted list are these cards because they are very powerful. Um, and so, uh, I'm not really sad to see them go. I think it's going to do a lot of good stuff, but let's talk about what, what we, what we like about this Randall. Would you like to start us off? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first thing is it, it lowers the, the barrier of entry for 
newer players, mm-hmm. which is always a kind of an issue. It's been an issue in this game for a while. Uh, the fact that the the cards are um, sold in a pack with the models and kind of have to, let's say you have a favorite faction, that's the only faction you want to play, you have to buy this combo pack of the cards and the models and it ends up being, you know, 30-something dollars um, for the pack. So when a, a new player comes into the game and says, okay, what do I have to get? They say, oh, you have to get all 16 of these old warbands, you know, in order to get all the cards, then you can then start you can making be... a real deck. Yeah. Right. And um, that's just that's just too much. And and they've, they've shown that they don't want to, you know, put put out just the the, fa- the cards that come in the faction boxes as, uh, you know, card standalone card packs. So... It's tough, and, and, and it's a strange thing because, um, you know, other card games, a lot of times they have a, the, the random card packs, the booster packs, mm-hmm. and those you, you have to either buy a lot of packs or you have to buy the single cards, which can get expensive. Yeah, the um, secondary and market. This one, yeah. yeah, this one is more akin to what they call a living card game, where, you know, when you buy the, the packs, you, you know what you're getting in each one. There's no randomness to it. Uh, and there's no secondary market value for any of the cards. I mean, maybe Ready for Action sold a little bit more on eBay than some of the other cards, but no real uh, secondary market like uh, other card games have. Because there, there's no cards that are more rare than others. Okay. Uh, the so other... oh, so one ahead. thing is that it'll bring, so, so just to, to recap, it'll bring newer players in and get them up to speed a lot faster. Because if we have three seasons of this and everything is viable, that's really going to stop some people from jumping in. So now it's, it seems like they've set the precedent of there will only ever be two seasons available for tournament play, which, by the way, is fine by me because that just gets more people in. Um, so the second thing that we said is the idea that everybody's going to have to try to make fresh deck ideas, which um, sounds great because then we're going to get this kind of like influx of creativity and imagination, uh, new, uh, new archetypes for different stuff. Maybe we'll see uh, war bands uh, that will have, you know, flex options and aggro options and, um, and objective style options um, or control options, if you will. Um, and people are just going to come up with new stuff. Now it's going to really push the meta forward quite a bit. Yeah. So I think that that's a big deal and, 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 a, and a reason to just get rid of a bunch of cards because it just pushes people forwards uh, to the future, which I think is great. All right. What else? Well, I think get forward to this part where it says cards. The, the, some of the older cards are either written poorly or they're too strong. They're too easy to get. And they just end up being these kind of cards that you just sort of, you, you know, you have, uh, what, 32 cards in your deck. And four of them are pre-decided, no matter what. Well, thirty-six if your name is Jay Claire. But okay, yeah. sure. Um, there, you have these cards that like escalation. That's kind of like you're you're basically making a deck with thirty-one it. cards because, or yeah, yeah the, so these because you have to have that spot. Yeah, and then you have some cards that are written poorly and have been FAQ'd like a hundred times, like Rebound and you know Soul Trap and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to bring the game forward. And use this new keyword system, which is much easier to understand. Think about how much shorter the FAQ is going to be. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, so that stuff's still going to have to be in there because those cards are still kind of legal. But you want well, to pay attention to that. 
Right. You, maybe maybe you, they'll yeah. divvy them up and say like, here are all the old cards, and these are the old. Well, the old I assume they, yeah, they There's won't continue FAQing those. They won't continue, right? Providing any FAQ information about those. The, the on exactly. Cards. And the next thing that we said was about the keywords, which you said because the earlier ones were written poorly. Um, and I think they tried to do a little bit better on the night vault season. And then they finally realized, hey, let's just put keywords. So what that means is that after next season, all the legal cards will have keywords on them, which is great and really helpful for that. Um, okay. You want to talk about power creep? Yeah. You, that was your throw. That you right. that when, when, you, when you get rid of a whole set, you kind of are able to, to take reset and take a fresh look at how you design cards. Mm -hmm. And... You know, when you when you don't have these absurdly powerful cards from season one to combine them or to compare them to, you know, cards that they make in the future won't have to be up to that level for, you know, to entice people to buy them. So you're sort of re you're putting a reset button on the, the power creep, which which is where we were kind of getting with uh, yeah a lot of the season two warband. Which is really a good idea, because I don't I think that if you let power creep kind of go the game is going to get out of hand because this is a short game with 12 activations and like the most hit points we've ever seen is seven and most things have no more than four. And, you know, so to be able to deal a lot of damage really quickly, which is part of the, the, the power creep situation um, and to stack stuff like that, it's just going to make the game just like done. And that's no fun for everybody to have the, the games be a little more protracted to have them be, uh, you know, where you have to more really interactive. Yeah. Yeah, more interactive. You have to make them more, uh, you know, more puzzly, like 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 Carlin said. Um, you know, I think that that actually makes the game better, and it's it's it makes it more enjoyable. For, at least from my end, I would rather have that. I I, I know I know I'm a Molog player, but yeah, still. Well, yeah, and it also kind of. I was totally separate. cool with him getting getting all that that uh, all that. Uh, Wubar restrictions. I was totally fine with that. I still played him anyway, and I still did fine. All right. So, yeah. Okay. So there was that. Well, but there's also the, there's also well, like yeah, if you if a well, lot of these cards are like when you get rid of a lot of these super easy to score cards from the game, and you know you have you have to make some more awkward choices. It's going to separate a lot of the the good players from the, mm. the not so good players. Yeah. When you have to start thinking a little bit more about how you're going to score objectives, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think I'm a better pilot than a deck builder. Okay. Um, but there are definitely some people out there that are amazing deck builders, and it's yep. it's going to let them rise to the top, which is which. By the way, they deserve it. I mean, if they can put a good deck together and pilot it really well, they deserve to to have their success. Um. So there's that. Now, here's the other thing that I want to point out, and I'm I'm going to throw this to you, Randall, but I'm going to set you up because because you know about this. Um, and this is like, like people are, you know, on, on the, the, the message boards are saying, so like, like, oh, this is crazy that they're doing this. I have all this stuff. How dare they get rid of all these cards? There is a huge precedent for rotating cards out. Well, yeah. It, it yeah. It happens a lot Magic in other Gavin. games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot been, in any other game. Exactly. Do you, I mean, like, I mean, how many Black Lotuses do you think people would use if they could? I mean, right. not, not that it's easy to get a Black Lotus, but I'm just saying, like. So to talk, talk about talk about rotation in Magic the Gathering. Well, it's interesting kind of that there there's a rotation in Magic the Gathering happening at almost the exact same time as this game. Synchronicity. Yeah. Um, at the end of September, there's going to be a massive rotation of about four sets in 
How the... long have they been rotating cards out? Oh, since, since the, beginning. the beginning of the game, yeah, right in the, in the mid, like early nineties. Yeah, and you can still play with them in different formats. They have di- right. they have like type one, type two. You know, they call it, they used to call it. Now they have standard, right. modern, legacy. Yeah, you can right. still play with all that stuff, but they're just at different events. So what will likely and by the way, the same thing happened in X Wing. The same yeah. thing happened in X Wing when they switched from one point to two point That all, people had all these ships that they wanted to play. But some of them were not released yet in 2.0, so they switched it. They 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 divided it into uh, hyperspace and extended. And, yeah. and hyperspace is you can use just stuff that's been released in 2.0, and extended is I, I I might be oversimplifying this. And extended is you can play anything that's ever been released by by the company. So so there are two formats, and some of the tournaments are one, and some of the tournaments are the other. And there's nothing that says that might not also happen in Underworlds. But um, but the marquee events are going to be with the rotation in effect. So it's not weird that this has happened. It's happened in other games before. Well, and the the counter argument to that is, well, you know, this is supposed to be a, a models game, GW game. And, but it's not. You know, well, well, this it is. is. And a, the, but and, it is, but it's also supposed to be like the you know the you know the, well, we have the most involved. competitive one. Yeah. Well, we have right. we have the the cards are involved but the thing is when in in miniature games like for example warhammer or age of sigmar um when a new edition of the game comes out a lot of times things change and you have to sort of take some of your your models and put them on the shelf and buy different ones or new or the newer ones and add those to your army you know when they 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 make sweeping changes to you know the core rules of the game or they come out with a newer edition of your book uh, your faction book so this is not a new thing in in games workshop games or miniature games in general so everybody relax yeah embrace it mm-hmm. but the, it's good yeah it's a, it's, it's a good it's a good move and I think we were all kind of feeling like it was going to happen too. I think we mentioned on earlier episodes that we it, we had the sneaking suspicion that they might do something like that. We so, were all I mean, hoping too, because yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was. At least people who have been I, playing for a long time. How many times have I had to ask? So, did you score three objectives? Yeah, or six, mm-hmm. whatever. At the end of the whatever game, this. Yeah, did you have three? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Did you score six objectives, or did you did you get three upgrades? Upgrades. Yeah. I was thinking upgrades. It's late, man. I'm tired. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's like the upgrades thing. So it's like eh, now you're not gonna have to do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, you still have to ask. Hey, do you want me to roll my defense dice? But that's just for one more season. Mm-hmm. So with a lot of these new cards or these old cards rotating out, we wanted to talk about some cards we'd like to see maybe get reprinted. Sure. So some some of the cards that we were talking about, some examples, was uh, one is called Victorious Duel. And that is a card that it's a score immediately for two glory. And it says if you kill your opponent's leader with your leader. Right. And right. we thought that that one was a good one because it was hard to do. It's still fair. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's sort of difficult to do. It's very specific. Um, it's narrow, but it gives you a nice two glory. And there are some war bands that, like, Malug is a great example. Stormsire is a good example of, uh, of groups where, like, you might actually do that. Exactly. So we're just tr- saying, like, if you, if you want to make more score immediately, or surge, as they're called now, right. make them be more difficult to do and maybe award you an appropriate amount of glory. If, it, if it's one if it, or yeah. two. Yeah. 
but um, it should have but it should have a dice rolling you know element to it because one of the big sure. problems we had was that people could score score immediately just for setting it up uh-huh. and it's like completely in their hands like change of tactics is a great example there's really no counter the only counterplay to change of tactics is you have to smell it coming and try to kill the thing that's on guard but yeah, that's the only counterplay away, to guess. it yeah yeah and that's not always an option uh-huh. so 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 to put a little bit more either luck involved or a little bit more counterplay involved in those score immediately right so we'd like to see cards similar to victorious duel maybe get a new version in uh in beast grave right we had also mentioned precise use of force is a little bit hard to set up yep um and also they you know like the curse breakers have the faction specific one of those but things like change of tactics we want to see kind of go away where you can right. just kind of set we it don't up want that one anymore right um so there's that uh we talked about um having score immediate objectives also that require card combinations to to do mm-hmm. so that you can't just do it with nothing like you have to already have a few cards pop up an example of this was cover ground which is a season one um but since there is nothing that moves six spaces on its own you have to put sprinter you have to put great speed you have to use um spectral wings all things that are going to well no great speed is going to stick around um but you have to do that so it makes the score immediate a little bit fairer because that because there's the random aspect of that card has to pop up right and you have to sort of spend a resource in order to, to score that. Exactly. You have, to, you have to spend one of your power cards. Uh, it could limit what you're trying to do. And it's also fun when you're deck building. You say, I want to put this you know, objective in my deck. Do I have enough ways to, to score it in my right. uh, and power that's, deck? That's a really important part of deck building, I think. Mm-hmm. Finding um, the synergies and... Yeah. Yep. Okay. Redundancy. Um, Another thing we want to see, make sure that they don't disappear, is the is the stuff about standing on objective markers, mm-hmm. because we want the, I mean, especially you, Randall, but we want um, objective play to still be a viable way to play this game. Um, again, I, I'm all for making all the different styles of play completely viable, um, but but we're going to lose some tax supremacies in this rotation, and I hope that they reprint the exact same ones or maybe slightly different ones so that we don't lose those tax supremacies because they were used by you, Randall and other people. Mm-hmm. Dean Bills was using them. Well, we still do have two tactical supremacies in the game. We just don't have right. all of them. Yeah. But it's too, it's too enough. Yeah. I mean, I think people are going to want more options. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. Know, and now we also, leaving. yeah, we're running into the problem where the everybody, if, if, if people see that you're running tactical supremacy, they know exactly which ones you have, mm. you know, if there's only two in the, in the rotation. So it was cool when you had all four of them or five of them, however many there are, because then your opponent wouldn't know which one you had, which two you had. Right. Yeah. And that's something we're going to lose now with the rotation. So we hope that they pop up either either redoing As the hybrids, same ones yeah. or, or a new combination of numbers, but just to have make sure that there are like four tax supremacies lying around. Uh, there should always be that many, I think. Um, and we also talked about um, distraction. We're going to lose distraction, aren't we? Yeah, because th- this is a confusing. The sidestep, which is where you get to push one of your own fighters as a power card, mm-hmm. that has that was in Shadespire and Night Vault, so that and one's not and rotating. And, no, and, and it's not, and, and they're reprinting it again. Oh yeah, reprinting it again they had too. A new version of it. Yeah. So, it, but distraction is only in Iron Skull's voice. 
so that one is actually getting rotated it hasn't been printed in anything else and that is kind of the counterplay card to the it's a counterplay card which is really essential to the game i think that there are cards that counterplay other styles and um maybe they could change it a little bit so that it's specific to a um a fighter standing on an objective so you can't use it in other things because distraction is very powerful because Mm. you can do it in any case so so maybe they just restrict it to things standing on objectives um but there has to be something in there because counterplay is kind of like a big deal in this game because if we're going to have different um playing styles you should have also cards that will work against those particular ones yeah and we want the objective mat marker strategy to be viable but we don't want it to be the best and only thing that anyone plays either so right you want to be able to make meta calls right all right cool um so that's well the next thing yeah the next thing i wanted to talk about is we we saw a card come up in the previews that is basically the same thing as pit trap. trap trap or pit trap it's yeah. one of those yeah. pit trap it's I think. called snare yeah now it, it's it's you know it has the new bold text and the new keywords and everything like that and it's very simple to understand but it is you know the exact same effect as a trap which is on the restricted list so it might sound like this one might come out and just be right on the restricted list so we're still going to have restricted cards even after rotation occurs yeah. So, and that and that kind of just why we wanted to have this discussion about like should cards how how is the ban and restricted list going to go moving forward? Do we want to have cards that immediately come out and they're already restricted, or you know do, are they going to be are they going to be coming out and being restricted a couple days later? You know, we don't really know. Or and, has the power levels dropped effectively enough that they don't have to be restricted? Because yeah, we don't also, know what yeah. these other cards are going to do, these mm-hmm. these other universals that are going to come out. Yeah, we were saying there might they might add more cards that make it so you cannot be pushed, which is which we would have effectively guard. brown the the snare because it wouldn't work. You know, snare you have to push the guy back, right. in order for it to trigger. But without it, if if you can't be pushed back, then you can't score this card. You can't, you can't right. play it. So what I think they might start doing to, to and this is what it sounds like. It sounds like a lot of the cards that are going to come out may have these like little stipulations that make them just slightly harder to pull off. Um, mm. You know, like, like they threw in guard as a way to not get pushed back. So lethals are a little bit harder to get into and, you know, snare is a little bit harder to use because you can't do it if somebody's on guard and they might just bring guard up as a, as a function in the game a little bit more. I mean, mm. I don't know, but it looks like they're, they're trying to make sure that things don't like get too overpowered. Yeah, and I think the Just solution smart. to this is we want to have more regularly scheduled updates to the FAQ document and the uh, the ban and restricted list, like they have in other games. Um, in X Wing, yeah, in X Wing or Forty K or well, Forty K and Age of Sigmar, they have a very set schedule. Like in, I think Forty uh, K, you have two FAQ updates a year, and then you have chapter approved, and those come out on you know specific months. And then Age of Sigmar has the General's Handbook, which comes out every year and sort of readjusts things. So they also have, uh, whenever a, a codex comes out for 40k, they have like a an FAQ that comes out for just for that codex, like about two weeks later. And most of the time, it is just correcting errors in the in the syntax. But 
some of the time, you know, somebody will come up with some stupid cheese strategy with something that was written poorly in the in the codex, and then they'll come out with an FAQ answer that, you know, reverses that. So it's a, it's nice because if somebody comes up with a, a strategy based on the, the previews, and then, you know, you want to go hard into it, let's say, you know, there were people saying, like, uh, when the new Space Marine Codex came out, it was like, oh, drop pods, drop pods are good now, everybody go buy 10 drop pods, you know? But you know when if you have this regularly scheduled um, update, you'll you'll know you can wait to purchase something about two weeks, and then the FAQ will come out and it will possibly correct that stuff, and then you'll know you'll have a more informed decision about when uh, you buy the products moving forward. Kind of like how it was with um, Power Unbound; they came out with the yeah, and they just the banned and restricted list only like right maybe a couple weeks after. Uh, Power Unbound came out, and a lot of people got burned by that. I mean, who are we kidding? I'm going to buy everything no matter what. But yeah, and I think most of us will. But, but some I mean, people are, it's a more pro consumer to have a that. yeah. Like you yeah. don't have to put all your money down right away. You can wait until the, st- the thing comes out and see. Because if it's like a faction box that you that you don't necessarily want the models for, you just want the cards. And then if they FAQ one of the cards or they put it on the restricted list, you can say I'll skip that one. Maybe you know? yeah. All right. All right. So 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 relax about card rotation because it looks like they're working on it and it looks like they have a pretty good plan in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I, I, I'd be more excited if it was earlier in the day. But yeah, yeah, no, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward right. to changing everything around and seeing seeing kind of like where the dust settles and all the new combos. Maybe Eyes of the Nine will be good. You never no. know what universals are going to ah, Come on. You never <laughs> no. know what stuff's going to pop don't, up. You don't tempt no me idea. like that. You have no idea, man. Well, uh, right. yeah, I'm I'm excited to get the new box, yeah. see the new models, paint the new guys. red instead of blue or green yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's cool. All right. All right. Let's anyway, take it so out of here. let's call it. Let's get out of here, all right? Um, so, uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, don't forget to check us out. We were on the latest battle, battle mallet episode. So check that out. You can hear us there. Um, you can go on um, Facebook and, and like our uh, Facebook page. You can uh, subscribe to our iTunes. You can uh, follow us on Podbean. You can go to the battle for salvation.com slash underworlds podcast. Is that yep. what it is? And just see two links to those things so far we'll do more too awesome. don't worry about it but that's all we got so far anyway please go and do all that stuff uh support the local scene by you go and st- i don't know be, be a to just say like hey let's do a let's do a, an underworld tournament and get four people there and enjoy it okay you know have fun with this game come on people let's go it's a good game it's and it's going in a good direction all right so anyway that's what i got to say about that be good randall yeah, we're done. All right. So for Battle for Salvation, this is Max Bernstein. I'm Randall. And we'll see you guys next time. All right.